Thank you to our worship team that sounded wonderful this morning, as always. Text this morning is 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. Fun fact, it was a year ago tomorrow that I gave a sermon here to candidates, and for whatever reason, you guys picked me. I do. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. 2 Corinthians 3.18. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Father in heaven, let those of us who know Christ set our minds on the things that are above. Let us put an end to areas of sin. May we be a people who love you and whose first desire is to know you better. Pray that your grace can be communicated to all of us. Remind us of the great forgiveness which you offer to all who accept it. Let us approach you this day in Jesus' name. Amen. When I was in college... I had this pair of jeans that I loved. Every time I put these jeans on, magic was in the air. Every time I put these jeans on, you could almost hear angels singing. Every time I put these jeans on, I looked so good that the girls on campus were so intimidated, they wouldn't even talk to me. <laughs> Having such a perfectly good-fitting pair of jeans was a joy that most people have never even known. But eventually, the, the jeans began to develop a small hole in them, kind of underneath. At first, I tried to ignore it, but eventually the hole got bigger and bigger until I had to make the hardest decision I'd ever had to make. What do I do with these jeans? And I thought, I didn't want to throw them away, so I thought, and I thought, what do I do? What do I? And it hit me. I could just take some safety pins and pin the holes shut. But I really cared about the jeans, so I wanted to do a good job. So I used like a lot of safety pins, pin the holes shut, and I put the jeans on. I thought, that's brilliant. Fast forward a couple hours, I was going to some event that night, and a friend came to pick me up, and. Uh, I, I got into the car, and the moment, the moment I sat down, just, just ripped wide open. And we were still waiting on somebody else to come to the car, so I had a couple moments to think. I'm thinking, what do I do? Do I just go like this? I do love these jeans. What do I do? And then I realized, I can't go like this. So I, I get out of the car, and I start walking back towards my fraternity house. But as I'm walking, I'm getting poked by the safety pins. And no matter how I walk, I can't avoid it. It kind of felt like, imagine that you're walking and you have a porcupine between your legs attacking you. <laughs> I tell you that story for this reason. You can have something that you love, but that you need to let go of. Because holding on to it will cause you a lot of pain. We're continuing our series this morning, The Forensics of Faith. I mentioned it a few minutes ago. In part one, we talked about regeneration, that's being born again. It's God giving us new spiritual life. 
Part two was justification. That is right legal standing before God. This week we talked about sanctification. Sanctification is the process of being made holy once someone has come to faith. Sanctification is a step beyond justification. Justification is being declared right with God. We are justified when we come to faith, and that is a one-time event. Sanctification, on the other hand, continues throughout life. It's progressive. Sanctification begins at the moment we place our faith in Jesus. And the main idea from our text this morning is that God makes the unholy holy. And we have two points this, this morning to make. Who is sanctified and how we are sanctified. The text says, And we all who with unveiled faces... I think it's helpful to give some background. When Paul talks about our faces being unveiled, it's referring to Exodus 34. In that chapter, Moses, Moses is given commands from God, and Moses is in the presence of the Lord. As a result of this experience, Moses' face becomes illuminated. Moses' face radiantly glowing, and the Israelites are afraid of this. You might be thinking, I wouldn't be afraid. Yeah, you would. Most people can't even take a spider. I'm pretty sure a person's face radiantly glowing would be a bit unnerving. So Moses would put the veil on to preach to the people, but when he finished preaching, he would take the veil off. But the text in Exodus also tells us that when Moses would go and speak before and be in the presence of the Lord, he would take the veil off. And so our verse this morning is saying that all believers are now able to approach God as Moses did with unveiled faces. 2 Corinthians 3.16 says that whenever a person turns to God, the veil is removed. We have the great benefit of all being able to approach the Lord. And what a privilege that is that we have because of the work of Christ. God gives us access to himself. God isn't distant from us. If you're a private in the military and you need to talk to somebody, you don't go to the general and talk about it. Unless you want to get yelled at. You follow the chain of command. You talk to your superior. Or if you work for a large company and you have an issue... You don't take it to the CEO. You go to your supervisor. There's a chain of command. But God isn't distant. He's not too busy with other things. We have access to him. Something that is so utterly profound and wondrous that we so often don't even stop to question what a privilege that is. We don't have this great wall of separation between us and God. Because of what Jesus has done for us. Jesus has enabled us to enter into the presence of the Lord. It's true of all Christians. And it is only true of Christians. Because we are sanctified through the Holy Spirit. It is given to all who have faith in the gospel. Which is why I make this point often. But a true and sincere faith necessarily results in a changed life. Because it's not us who are making ourselves holy. It's the holy God who is making us holy. God makes the unholy holy. Second point, how we are sanctified. 
And we all, who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. That's profound. We who contemplate the glory of the Lord, who behold the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into his image. I remember when I first became a Christian, and I would hear people talk about having a personal relationship with God or a personal relationship with Jesus, but I didn't quite understand what that meant. I know sanctification is a big word. It's very theological sounding. But many of the activities through which we are sanctified are also the ways through which we approach a relationship with the Lord. We cultivate this relationship by knowing what is true. Jesus prayed to God in John 17, 17, Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. Psalm 145, 18. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. We have a relationship with God by knowing what's in his word. 2 Timothy 3.16 says that all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. To know God's word is to begin to know God. To know what he has revealed about himself. To know what the Bible says about God. What it says about us. And what it says about his salvation in our lives. We develop a relationship with God through prayer. Prayer is the opportunity to have a conversation with God. Colossians 4.2 says to continue steadfastly in prayer. Romans 12.12 says rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. We pursue a relationship with God by being connected and involved in his church. The point of church is not just about yourself or what it does for you. We are a part of the body of Christ. It's participating in God's church and with God's people. We know God through worshiping him, through using the gifts that he has given us to serve him. We pursue God when we serve. Jesus taught whatever that we've done for the least of these, we've done for him. We pursue a relationship with God by having faith in God. We don't always know what will happen, but we are in positions where we have to trust God. Paul talks in this book about walking by faith and not by sight. Tremendous things can happen when we walk in faith in God through trials, in tough situations where it seems like there's no hope. We pursue God by following him, by letting him lead in our lives, by pursuing where he wants us to go, by entering into decisions prayerfully and seeking his wisdom. We pursue God by living for him, by seeking his righteousness. We pursue God when we die to ourselves and live for the Lord. And it is through a daily focus and commitment to God that he sanctifies us. God makes the unholy holy. Imagine how different life would be to be totally devoted to all of these things. God sanctifies his people. God makes the unholy holy. He's working in the hearts and souls of his people. God made man good, and humanity fell into sin. But through Jesus, who has redeemed everyone who trusts in him, 
God is doing a work of restoration. In 1505, the great Renaissance painter Raphael painted his Madonna del Cardellino, which depicted Mary with Jesus and John the Baptist. Forty years later, an earthquake hit Florence where the painting was held, and the masterpiece fell to the ground and shattered into 17 pieces. In an effort to restore the painting, another artist used nails and tried to nail the painting back together and then try to paint over the various creases and cracks in the painting. Didn't look good. Over the years, other attempts were made, as well as other dust and debris collecting on the painting. In modern times, there was a new effort to restore the painting. Over 10 years, 50 artists worked to restore Madonna del Cardellino. They carefully got rid of added layers of paint. They restored the cracks and creases. What had been a beautiful design had been tarnished. It was obscured. It was inglorious. But the skilled artist was able to restore the painting to its original vibrancy and luster. We was able to restore it to what it had always been intended to be. That's what God does in our lives as he is sanctifying us through the Holy Spirit. He sanctifies us differently, though. He sanctifies us sometimes in different ways at different times. When we place faith in Christ, while we are forgiven of all of our sins, that doesn't mean that all of our sins become immediately, easily manageable. Right? And coming to faith, there might be some things that quickly fall away while other sins linger. You might become a Christian and know certain things are sinful, while other areas it might not even occur to you that it is sinful. Or you just haven't been convicted in that area. Maybe you've been walking with Jesus for a couple years, and you just feel this tug at your heart from the Holy Spirit. Maybe it's something like the language that you use isn't always honoring to God. Or maybe you've heard multiple sermons that address the subject of giving, and you've never really given it a second thought. And then one day, you just feel moved to greater generosity. Maybe you struggle with control issues, always have. Never, honestly, even thought of it as being a sin. It's just second nature to you for as long as you can remember. But maybe little by little, it becomes revealed to you that that's an area where you need some work. Or maybe God is working on something else in your heart right now. Again, he sanctifies us differently. One person might have a greater degree of sanctification in a certain area over someone else. Something that's a significant sign of Christian maturity might come more naturally while you struggle with something that the person next to you doesn't struggle with. Sometimes, an area where God sanctifies us can be dramatic, almost overnight. Again, maybe that happened when you first became a Christian. Being more or less sanctified doesn't mean that a person is more or less right in the sight of God, because the entire process presupposes that a person has faith. And it is the faith that saves. It is from God. So we must be aware that it is his work in us 
and not to use what God is doing as an excuse for boasting or pridefulness over someone who maybe isn't as far along on the journey. It's not that we are sanctifying ourselves, but we are enabled to participate in our own sanctification. How exactly that works does contain an element of mystery, but an important part of, the, of, of that is obedience. Not obedience in terms of your salvation, but valuing the righteousness of God and saying yes to that and trusting in that and walking in that. Sanctification is never complete in us, this side of heaven. Heaven is a place without sin. And we will be fully sanctified in God's presence. But between now and then, God is working in us. He is changing us. Where are the areas of your life where God is working? What are the things that are holding you back? What are your genes that you can't bring yourself to throw away? Pursue God today. Pursue his will and his ways. Live for him. Again, we don't sanctify ourselves, but we do participate in our sanctification. And if there's something in your life today where the Holy Spirit is convicting you, if there's something in your heart that you know you shouldn't be doing, I know it can be difficult to get rid of those things. I know it can be difficult to throw those things away. But listen to the way how God is prompting you. And turn away from sin and turn to him. Because God is always better. His gospel is always sweeter. And in turning to him from sin, it will always be meant for your own good and for your own joy in him. I've given examples of ways how to pursue a relationship with God and how to pursue sanctification, prayer to God, studying his word, serving. But as we continue in this verse, I think everything largely boils down to one thing. We all, who with unveiled faces, who contemplate the Lord's glory. We contemplate the Lord's glory. We behold the Lord's glory. We focus on the Lord's glory. And all these things that we do in order to pursue a relationship with God, there is to be a focus on God, a mindfulness of God, an acknowledgement of the Lord's glory. There is something wonderful about keeping our eyes on God. It's hard to have a relationship and a fellowship with the Lord and to take great joy in Him if we are actively engaging in sin. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Of course we are free to approach Him. But the mentality to approach God assumes a desire to have a change of heart. We can't have a mind completely focused on the glorious God of the universe in a moment when we are also willingly rebelling against him in sin. It's not him, it's us. It's not that he is unwilling to forgive or to be gracious. It's so difficult when we fall into a particularly bad area of sin in our lives. It can be difficult to want to turn to God in the midst of our struggles. Rather, we want to hide from him. We sow fig leaves together and pretend he doesn't see. But continually contemplating God is transforming. 
The word translated here as transform comes from the Greek word metamorphometha, from which we get our word metamorphosis. I think that, for me, helps to get a sense of what's going on. It's a metamorphosis that's happening. God is totally changing us. I'm sure we all learned in school about butterflies. It starts out as an egg and then hatches. The larva of a butterfly is a caterpillar and it grows. Then it has the stage where it's a pupa. Then it goes into the chrysalis, which lasts for several weeks. And in that span, the caterpillar is undergoing a dramatic change and it emerges as a butterfly. That's what happens to God when God changes our lives. We totally change. You might be a caterpillar today, but God is making you a butterfly. We've seen it in the lives of others. For those of us who are in Christ, we've experienced it in our own lives. Maybe you can think of an area you used to struggle with, and that now isn't really a big deal for you, or something that you even miss. The goodness of God in sanctifying us, and not keeping us the same. We see people who are full of anger become soft. We see people who are selfish become servants. People who are greedy become givers. People who are apathetic become empathetic. The power of the gospel in transforming souls. We see it in the Bible itself. Amazing things happening in the lives of God's people. There's a transformation in the life of Paul, the author of the book of 2 Corinthians. He had been a persecutor of Christians. But Jesus was dramatically revealed to him in the book of Acts. Paul went on to be the greatest missionary who had ever lived, writing this book and 12 other books in the New Testament. Sanctification points us to the power of the gospel like few other things. People who are dead in their sin are made new. First, God saves us, and he frees us from the penalty of sin. And in his goodness, he is working a metamorphosis in our lives. The change isn't a punishment. It's an act of grace. We all have issues and things that we wished were different. God purges those things from our lives. How many of you have ever seen the show Hoarders? It's a show about people who are basically hoarders on steroids. They save everything. Imagine sin being like that. We've got all this junk, but God is the master organizer, and little by little, he's taking things away. We've got so much excess that sometimes he takes boxes away, and we don't even notice that they're gone. Say that you come to faith, and you have 20 things that are issues for you. You swear like a sailor, you drink like a fish, you root for the Packers. <laughs> but God chips away at our areas of sin. You're forgiven. But all of those struggles aren't going to go away instantly. Over time, we were becoming more holy. Oftentimes, there's a lot of growth when we first come to faith. And that can be a really exciting time. Or maybe there's been a period in your life where your relationship with God seemed more palpable. Maybe it was when one of your kids was born. 
But it's not the same now. It doesn't have to be like that forever, though. But it's hard for that to improve out of nowhere. We need to focus on God. With unveiled faces, we need to contemplate the glory of God. Is there anything more important that you think you could think about than this? You might casually think to yourself, well, yeah, God is glorious. I get that. So what? He is the most glorious being in the universe. He is the ruler and sustainer of the universe, the creator of the universe, of all things visible and invisible, the holy God. And every quality ascribed to him, he possesses it in the superlative degree. He's not just a king, he's the king of kings. He's not just a lord, he is the lord of lords. Everything that God has, he has to the greatest degree. May we all have minds that are utterly enamored by the glory of God. Like I've said, God sanctifies us. We don't transform ourselves. We don't transform our own hearts. But in participation in our sanctification, we actively pursue God. Philippians 1.6 says, He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. God is sanctifying. He is working. It ebbs and flows. Sometimes it can feel like you're going two steps forward and one step back. Sometimes it might feel like you're going two steps forward and three steps back. But God is working in us. God is transforming us. The text says that it is with ever-increasing glory. The ESV translation says, from one degree of glory to another. Literally, it's saying we are being transformed from glory to glory. God has transformed us into his glorious image to one point today. But it'll be in another place in five years. It'll be in another place in ten years. We are being transformed into the image of Christ. We are being transformed into a greater resemblance of his character. And the fact that we are progressively being changed into the likeness of God should give us hope. We aren't where we will be, but we're better than we were. It gives us the hope of what the gospel promises. Of the work that God will do in someone who comes to him in faith. It should give us hope that for areas where we have experienced defeat throughout our lives, God is still at work. We are not done. The sculptor keeps chipping away at the hard block of stone to reveal his wondrous creation. Who you are now is not who you always will be. We undermine the power of the gospel when we think a person can't change, and we undermine the power of the gospel when you think that you can't change. People are being introduced to God every day. Addictions are being broken every day. Broken marriages are being reconciled every day. Don't forget the power of God and what God can do. Don't forget what he has done in your life, what he can do in your life, and what he can do in the lives of others. I'm a huge fan of the musical Les Miserables. I've always been struck by the relationship between Jean Valjean and Javert. Valjean, the protagonist, spends several years of his life in prison. Javert is a policeman. Valjean goes on to be an honest man. But Javert keeps recurring throughout his life. 
For Javert, despite the fact that Valjean is an honorable man, he is and always will be a criminal. He is so focused on what Valjean has done that he is blind to the changed life. God transforms. Whatever it is you're struggling with, God has pulled people from greater darkness, from lower places. We are being transformed with ever-increasing glory. The verse includes with, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. We are sanctified by God the Father through the Holy Spirit. If you study the whole passage that I'm preaching out of this morning, 2 Corinthians 3, verses 7 through 18, Again, Paul was referring back to Moses and the blessings from God during the time of Moses. But Paul is saying that this is a new era. This new covenant is even greater than what they had in the time of Moses. Now we have the Holy Spirit, which has been given to the faithful. The Spirit enables us to understand God's word, convicts us of sin, equips us with various spiritual gifts, It says that we are being transformed from the Lord who is the Spirit. The point here is that with this new covenant, after the time of Christ, that we as believers, and that's everyone who has faith, have the Holy Spirit. And it is through the Spirit of God that we are sanctified. The gospel is the power of God for our salvation. As we close this morning, two powerful stories of redemption come to mind. John Newton was a debaucherous and hedonistic sailor in the 18th century. When he was in his 20s, he was on a ship that was caught up in a tremendous storm. It was a monumental event in his life. It was a catalyst that led him to faith. But after that, Newton went on to become a slave trader. Epilepsy took him away from sailing a few years later. He began to more fervently study God's word. He would go on to serve as a pastor in England for more than 40 years. The fact that Newton had been a slave trader would become a source of great regret in his life. And he later became an avid abolitionist in England. He also wrote several hymns, most notably the most famous hymn ever written in the English language, Amazing Grace. A second story. Kelly Gissendaner was executed in Georgia in September of 2015. In 1997, while having an affair, Gissendaner convinced her boyfriend to murder her husband. On death row, Gissendaner found faith took up the study of theology, and became a mentor and spiritual role model to other women in the prison. She went from being a woman full of hatred to having a metamorphosis that can only come from God. God can lift you up from whatever you've done. Anyone who comes to faith in him, God forgives. In the moments leading up to her death, as the drugs were being administered, Gissendaner could be heard singing those famous words that Newton had written hundreds, generations before. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me, 
and once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, yet now I see. The power of God and the gospel shows us Jesus healing lepers, feeding thousands, walking on water, and conquering death. It takes sinful people in their separation from God and makes them God's people and makes them new people. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we praise you for the work we do in our lives. Let us follow you more fervently. Let us grow with you daily. Let us continue to walk in your ways. Sanctify all of us, Lord. Make us the people who you want us to be. In Jesus' name, amen.